Jesus said, What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you thought your Monday was off to a cold, rainy start, be glad you were not in this parable the tenants. This, this is a complicated passage. There's no way around that. It's complicated for a couple of reasons. First, just at face value, we're at this point in the Gospel where Jesus' teachings start to get more and more difficult as his crucifixion becomes closer and closer. And the violence of this parable is unsettling. Second, reason this story is so complicated is because of its reception history. It is, of course, one of those stories used in Christian supersessionism, interpreted to say that when the vineyard is given to others, that means the covenant of God is taken from the Jewish people and given to Christians. And we all know where that has taken us. So how do we find a way into this story? Well, what about these tenants? Maybe looking at these tenants a little harder can get us into the heads of the chief priests and the scribes to whom Jesus is addressing this story. Maybe there we can find a word for us. When we first start this parable, one could say that the tenants are really just doing their job in the beginning. The master is very worried about this vineyard. He builds a whole watchtower to protect the thing. And just first the slave from the master comes to reap some of the harvest of the vineyard. And as the protectors, they might rightly worry and say, well, who are you? This is not the master. We're here to protect the vineyard. And so they do just that. Then things get more and more brutal. And the story gets more and more violent until the servants are being killed and then the master's own son is killed at the hands of the tenants. It's not so different with the scribes and the chief priests. They see in Jesus a threat, not just to themselves, but to the thing that they see themselves trying to protect in this world. That is the work of God among the Jewish people in this world. And in general, I'm usually far less worried about those folks who are doing wrong and know they're doing wrong than about those times when we do wrong and have given ourselves reasons for thinking that we're in fact doing the right thing. And this is what's going on with the chief, with the chief priests and the scribes. They are protecting God's message to the Jews, and Jesus is a threat to that message. And so at first, it seems natural to get defensive and protective 
But then, as sort of muscle memory sets in, it just gets worse and worse and more and more brutal until finally just outright violence is the only way to take care of this threat to God's people. Is this not how that insidious sin of self-righteousness builds up within us? It's not that we just wake up one day and find ourselves self-righteous. It's that there's this sense within us that God's work in this world needs to be protected, and it's up to us to protect it, as if God possesses some kind of territory in the world that needs to be upheld. And then as we protect God's work in the world, then, like the tenants, like the chief priests, we begin to feel that we possess God's work in this world. And slowly, 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 that self-righteousness builds up within us until we start doing things that we never before imagined. So let us examine ourselves. Let us examine those places where we feel the need to protect Jesus, where we feel the need to protect God's work in this world. As if we are not careful, <clears throat> we'll come to feel that it is our possession, that we possess God's work in this world, rather than the other way around, that God is coming to inhabit and possess us. That is surely the ultimate check against self-righteousness. And it is not us protecting God and possessing God, but God's Spirit possessing us. Amen. <laughs>